The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, I wanted to talk to you about rotoballer.com. Win big in 2022 with rotoballer.com's MLB and DFS Premium Pass, which includes 15 exclusive lineup tools, daily DFS cheat sheets, and our new Team Sync platform. Use Rotoballer's exclusive hitter projections, pitching planners, DFS value plays, research stations, lineup optimizer, and more to help you win big. For a limited time, get your MLB Premium Pass for an extra 10% off your with your discount code Bubba, B-U-B-B-A. Just visit rotoballer.com, use promo code Bubba, B-U-B-B-A for 10% off the Premium Pass for the MLB season, and get started to rotoballing like a boss. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bench with Bubba, episode 486. Got a special guest tonight, first time guest for the show, a guest I've wanted on for quite a while. I'm glad we're getting to do it now. He is a very, very good fantasy baseball player and a phenomenal personality on the old Twitter there. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at Torres Takes. Torres, how we doing, man? What is going on, Bubba? I am so happy to be here. Uh, thank you for having me on. Listen, I neglected my real job today to get ready for this podcast, but we are here for the people. We are here to put out a good show. I may not have a job tomorrow, but you know, I figure whatever compensation I'm getting to appear on the show, that'll hold me over for a little while. So I know we haven't worked out all the details yet, but we'll we'll discuss that when we're done. Yeah, my people will talk to your people, we'll figure something out. But uh, in the meantime, I am very, very excited to talk to you about some NFC lineups and some first half surprises in the AL. But uh, first off, we got to get to know Torres a little more here. For those that have not listened to him on other shows or watched him on Twitter, which is amazing. 
Um, I watch all your videos and your most recent one where you basically mimic Independence Day and gave a speech about us degenerates that gamble on baseball. It was absolutely amazing. You bring your kids into it. Load, it's just it's such great stuff. What is your inspiration behind this? Like your creativity takes new heights all the time. Uh, what 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 what's the passion behind this? What what's the ideas behind this? Uh, I don't. It, it's just a creative outlet. I mean, I don't. Um, I don't make music. I'm not an artist. You know, so like I, I don't really have. Um, you know, an, another outlet. So. I play a lot of fantasy baseball and I figure, you know, if it's something I'm going to spend a lot of time doing, let me, let me create something with it. You know, I, I love playing the game, but yeah. um, you know, I think everybody, everybody needs some level of creativity and, and this is it for me. And I don't know, it just, some of the stuff just comes to me. Uh, I know my, my kids love it. So it also gives That's me a little awesome. motivation to, you know, um, come up with some of these ideas. So yeah, I, I'm I'm happy. Thank you for the kind words, and I'm happy people are enjoying them. And I'll be I keep putting stuff out there. Yeah, I, I love it. Uh, and like you said, the kids enjoying it. it's really awesome because you can tell they're involved in it. And uh, you, you you just like the I still laugh at like Independence Day one. It was so good, absolutely gold. Um, out of curiosity, because Glaber Torres is a guy that I've been in on many years and been disappointed many times he's playing well this year but uh, what is the inspiration behind torres takes is it glaber torres is your last name torres which i know it is wink wink but is there is there more to it than just uh your last name is what i'm trying to say no that's really it. well <laughs> i'll give you a little bit of the backstory i mean yeah my last name is torres um but uh i used to i told the story in another podcast but i'll, I'll say it here um I used to work at a at a college in a counseling center, and it was absurd. They used to pay us to work over the summer, even though there was like no students on campus. So we had a lot of time to hang out. And luckily, I was blessed, man. I had a my my best friend there um, and my boss was a big fantasy football fan. So we would spend the summers really like prepping for fantasy football. It's crazy. <laughs> awesome. um, but uh you know, it got to the point where I would walk in in the morning and my boss would, the first thing he would say to me, he'd be like, Hey, you got any Torres takes for me? Nice. And, uh, you know, and then it just kind of started and I'm like, Oh, I'm going to start a Torres takes Twitter. And, you know, and, and he laughed at me, like me, him and my friend were like, when I had like two followers they're like, <laughs> uh, what are you doing? You're wasting your time, dude. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, that's, that's where Torres takes kind of originated. So I told him he's going to get if I ever make it big, he'll he'll get some royalties uh, for that. I was about, I was about to say, I hope you send every video to him and say, "Hey, here's a Torres take for you." I, I hope you do. <laughs> That'd be so good. But um, I love it. it. It's good stuff. Um, really, really good stuff. I'm looking forward to what's next uh, on the agenda here. It's some of it's like super like serious. Some of it's so funny and over the top. Like I I just love it uh, every moment of it. So. Kudos to you because you, so, something you kind of said there is, and I've said it with some other uh, people I talk to a lot is in the end, this needs to be fun. If you're not having fun yeah. playing fantasy baseball, then you're just not doing it for the right way. Like even my podcast here, you know, I'm not the, the smartest guy in the world, but I, I have fun talking to people, talking baseball. And that's the point of it is having fun. So uh, I, I love that you're doing it. You're bringing a different avenue to it. And uh, it, it's, it's really, really fun. So I'm, I'm looking forward to more of that. Um, Thank you. How, how is before we get into like lineups and or not lineups per se, but the bench? We're going to talk about how to con how we 
uh, circulate our benches in NFBC? Because it is an interesting topic. Um, how is your NFBC season going for you? It's going okay. Um, I thought I'd be doing a little bit better. I felt good about some of my teams coming into the year. In my main, I'm uh, third place. Uh, just moved in the top 100 after being like 400 something. Uh, you know, a little more than a month ago. So feeling good about the run that team is on. Um, but uh, yeah, and then I'm in five, four or five draft champions, and most of them are in second. Um, I had one just total dud, but overall can't complain. Uh, you know, still a lot of time left. I know it feels for me, at least it feels like the season has been forever, but we still got half a season to go. So, so things can, can certainly change. Yeah. I'd say a third place in the main with the top 100 and then a second places in most of your DCs is a pretty good go so far. But, uh, as you said, long ways to go. It's, 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 we're halfway there. And like, it, that, that's the thing with baseball. And so many people say it's such a long season. It's crazy. And it is. It's a grind. It takes, it's not for the faint of heart. Uh, we're seeing a lot of fantasy football talk already on the old Twitter there. And, um, we're seeing some fab runs where certain leagues, things are kind of slipping through the cracks already. So yeah. we'll, we'll see how yeah. that continues on. Obviously, in your main events, usually not so much, but you'll still see it in some, that's for sure. But uh, it's a great point here because um, you, you're playing pretty much 15s only, it sounds like, with your mains and your DCs. Is that correct? Yep. Yep. Okay. Only 15. My home league is a 12. So, but uh, yeah, mainly I kind of, that was intentional because just switching back and forth between the 12s and the 15s. I, I don't know how people it's do tough. that. It's just, it's a very different game. And mm -hmm. I mean, it's hard enough, at least for me, to like manage just the teams that I have. I don't know how people are doing like 50 leagues with some of them being 12, some of them being 15s. Like it's, it's amazing to me that people do that. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I do m mostly 12s on the NFBC, except for like TGFBI and the Barf League. Those are 15s. Uh, so I, for the most part, my money leagues are in 12s. Um, I have a couple DCs that like, I did with buddies and stuff that they twisted my arm to do when it was early draft season. But um, I, I, I like the 12s. Uh, I, like, I get the 15s. 15s are a grind. 15s are tough. And that, that makes us even more of a fun conversation because um, Torres came to me in the DMs with a, an idea to talk about um, handling your benches in the NFPC. And for those that aren't super familiar with it, uh, you have a seven-man bench and there's no IL spots. So it's the old golden rule. Like, do you stash guys? Do you stash prospects? Like, how do you control it? Do you stream guys? You know, like Roto got himself, Vlad Sether talks about churning and burning all the time. There's a lot to be said about that. But also when there's not much available on the waiver wire, like when you cut bait, so many fun questions there. So how do you go about um, circulating, I guess, your bench in a in FPC format? Because you, you want to have like guys that can fill in in case of injuries at the same time. Maybe you, you want to stash a little. Who knows? So how, how do you control your bench? Yeah, this is what I struggled with. Uh, you know, I started playing NFBC last year, and I feel like it's such an important topic. And especially as a new player, it's uh, it, it's something you really it, – there's a learning curve there. Uh, so the way I do it, and I have no idea if this is the right way or whatever, but I feel like this kind of – I've reached um, – you know, I've gotten to a point where I feel comfortable with this and it's working for me. So my bench is comprised of four hitters and three pitchers, ideally. Um, you know, so so why more hitters than pitchers? Because NFBC, as we know, we can make those mid midweek lineup adjustments on Friday with our hitters only, though. Uh, and I love this feature because, you know, someone goes down with an injury on Tuesday. I, I don't want to take that zero all week. Like I'm in a uh, you know, my home league is weekly lineups and it just sucks. It really sucks when, you know, you, uh, 
when you lose somebody beginning of the week and you're just taking a zero there. So I love that. Um, love NFBC and their software. It's awesome. Um, but um, yeah, why do I have the the four hitters? I mean, as we know, injuries are up this year. Uh, we still have the COVID situation, not quite as prevalent, uh, but it's still there. Uh, so in my mind, it's just absolutely necessary to be covered at every position, except for catcher. Because uh, really, you're you're better off just taking a zero than than picking up a catcher off the wire, in most cases in a 15 teamer. Uh, the other thing is I want to be able to maximize my team's matchups. So if I have like a fringe player who's facing the Yankees in the first part of the week, but then he's facing the Orioles, uh, you know, Friday, Friday through Sunday, you know, that's that's uh yeah, I'm benching him Monday and plugging him in there on Friday. Uh, maybe you have a few multi-position guys who can give you a little bit more roster flexibility um, in that situation. Yeah, maybe you can get away uh, with three hitters on your bench. You know, it also depends on your needs, though. You know, like, for example, in my main event, I, I need I need a closer. You know, I'm, I'm the one category I'm really struggling is saves. So going forward, I'm probably going to be dedicating an extra bench spot to a speculative closer. Um. You know, but again, so going back to my composition, ideally, I'm going to have a corner, a middle and an outfielder, along with one multi-position player. Now, it depends on which players I have, but one or two of them are, are going to be fungible in, in my mind. Guys that I'm OK with dropping for someone else who maybe has a really good week of matchups coming up. Right. Uh, as we know, we should be churning the bottom of our roster, maximizing at bats and uh, yeah, exploiting those good matchups. So that's it for my hitters with my pitchers. Uh, so three spots for them. I want one of them to be a starter who is someone I'm going to feel comfortable with starting like 50% of the time. So in 15 teamers, maybe this is like, um, uh, like a James Caprellian or Cole Irvin or Michael Lorenzen type pitcher. Um, you know, I'm not starting Cole Irvin on the road against the Yankees, but at home against the Royals, sure. Yeah. Um, then the next spot, I want a reliever, it, it, but I don't want just a middle reliever. You know, in the past, I've wasted roster spots in middle relievers and, you know, thinking, well, at least maybe I could throw them in there and get some good ratios if, you know, my guys don't have good matchups. Listen. Those guys are a dime a dozen. If you really are that desperate, you can find another good middle reliever that's you can pick up for a dollar or two on any given week. I think you need to be using that spot on either a closer spec. Again, depends on, on your needs, but for me, like using it on a closer spec or even maybe an IL stash, you know, there needs to be some plausible upside there, in my opinion. Like, for example, I had Nick Lodolo. That was the guy for me for the past few weeks that. I stashed on my bench a few weeks ago, feeling that he could really uh, that there was some upside there uh, in the second half. And the last spot is usually a pitcher who I'm streaming. And a lot of times it's me, you know, looking two weeks ahead. Who's facing the A's in two weeks? Who's facing the Tigers in two weeks? You should never get to Sunday and then realize like, holy crap, I only have like four or five decent starters for the week. You know, the best players are thinking weeks ahead, not days. And if you're not prepared, you're going to run into trouble because you end up starting guys. I, I put out a video uh, over the weekend about Michael Lorenzen. You know, he was on the road against Houston. And I think some people may have just checked out and just don't care and just plugged him into the lineup. But I think some people really plugged him in there. And I'm like, well, why? You know, like, mm -hmm. don't you don't have to. You should be looking ahead 
um, you know, and, and making sure that you've got enough pitchers. And again, we got to be looking two to three weeks ahead. Yep. So that's that's how I do it. Uh, interested to hear what what you have to say, Bubba. Well, first, I'm going to ask you some more questions on this. Uh, it's I like the idea of the four three. I love how you broke down your hitters as you you covered your bases in case there's an injury. I got a corner, I got a middle, I got an outfielder, and I got a multi position guy that could fill in at any of those. Say you have two injuries, like you said, injuries are up. We're getting a lot of them. So there's certain weeks where it's like, oh man, what in the world are we doing now? And um, some of them, unfortunately, get announced after the fab runs over before lock on Monday. So you really need to have that flexibility, and it makes things even more stressful. You can't just be like, oh, it's Sunday. I'll, you know, you know, put a couple bids in for a couple like couple dollar guys, and hopefully they get fill in for a week or two. You're out of luck now. Uh, so I like how you broke it down that way. It's not just four hitters. It's there's reasons behind these hitters. That's a very, very good point. There's a lot more strategy I think involved, especially in these non-IL spots leagues that people need to like think about of like stashing as you don't want to stash four outfielders. Like, what are you doing? Like you're just going to be ham you're hamstringing yourself. Uh, so I think that's very, very interesting. Uh, and then I like to call on the pitchers. I think the spec closer thing is a real deal. That's big. Um, I like the idea of, uh, especially in 15s, 12s, like those uh, 50% pitchers in a 15, they might even be cuttable in a 12. That's a whole different animal. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I like that in a 15 because the replacements on the wire in the 15s are tough, like really, really tough. Um, so you kind of have to have those guys. You're like, okay, yeah, I do want to use them more often than not. I just can't use them all the time. So that's definitely something to keep in mind. Um, and then the, the Lodolo guys, um, when it comes to IL stashes, how do you determine if they're worth stashing? Because like Tyler Miguel, I dropped everywhere when he got moved to the 60 day IL. That's a bummer. That's a big long-term deal. But just like, for instance, to start the season, Chris sale, we knew he was going to be out for like two to three months. Some people still drafted him. How long would you stash him for? Is that just like a, a complete no go for you? Yeah, that's a no. Like I just, I would never draft a player that uh, is going to be out for that <laughs> length of time. What's that? Yeah. That's already hurt. <laughs> Yeah, 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 right. So. That's the other thing. Like we're gonna we're gonna run into injuries. Why why chase them? You know, yeah. so because there's always that re-injury risk too. Uh, so yeah, there's really I, I'm just not going to put myself in that position. Like during the season, um, you know, like with the dolo, it was a couple weeks. Uh, that's probably the max. Like I held Andrew Heaney for a while when he first got injured. Uh, I held him probably for like three weeks, but I was pretty proactive in cutting him. I, I think when I cut him, still a lot of people were holding him. So um, it's really got to be an exceptional player. Um, you know, I, I think we can't and I made mistakes, but we just yeah. can't be afraid to make mistakes. Uh, you, you Sometimes you just have to be aggressive. Um, so, yeah, that's how I do it. I know people have different styles and different strategies, but uh yeah, there's so kind of works there, for me right now. There's tons of ways to go about it. Kind of what you're saying out there, but uh, another couple of things you mentioned that I, I liked a lot. Uh, you mentioned how like, you know, your first year you made mistakes, but you realized the mistakes I'm doing the same thing. Like um, you, you were saying we have to be willing to screw up. That's one thing I've been preaching this year. Like you gotta be willing to drop guys and take the consequences. Like they might turn it to, they might turn it on, but for now they're, they're killing your team or you, like basically yeah. you need to know when to drop a guy, hold a guy, stuff like that. And you're going to make mistakes. You're not going to get them all right. That's just the bottom line. It's going to happen. So that that's part of the game. But what you're learning from from last year is the the, the construction. Uh, the look ahead thing is huge. I talk about it all the time with Toby on our Fab Recap shows. Um, there's so many weeks where I'm like, I don't love the pitchers on the wire. So I'm looking at the two-star guy next week. Or I'm looking at like like what you're talking about. And I'm going to go get him like for like five bucks now instead of 
55 bucks next week or something. Like I'll, I'll start doing that stuff and stash them in those regards looking forward. I should probably do that more with hitters. That is a flaw of mine. hundred percent. I will, I will fall on that sword. And, and it's really pathetic that it's a big flaw of mine because I write a weekly column every Friday that tells me the, <laughs> the schedule ahead. So I have it up. I could literally look at the following week. It's right there. Yeah. Just dumb, dumb me, you know, Friday night, let's not even worry about it. But, um, that's something that I should put into my repertoire to be more proactive about. That's a great point. It's not, I guess we focus on pitching so much because it's like that volatile thing. We, we like to start pitchers. Uh, when a blow up happens, it feels so much worse than a guy going like over 16 on the week. You just don't really notice it as much because guys are playing every day and they're hitting and they're, they're, they're good and bads right. fluctuate so quickly where a pitcher, like they have a bad two star. It just blows the whole thing up and it just, yeah. it feels, it feels so much worse. So, I guess that's a flaw of mine is focusing more on the, the pitchers than the hitters. Um, but, the, but to the question you asked me earlier, um, the way I construct it, and it's not always like a four, three, it's a lot of it. Like you said, kind of team dependent. Do I need more hitting? Do I need more pitching? Like where, where are we sitting here? But for the most part, I'm, I'm in line with what you're saying. Like I want to have enough bats to kind of fix injuries and, you don't want too much pitching because then you have so, like some of the worst decisions to make every week. Like who do I sit? Like that's never, that's never the best right. thing in the world. Um, Cause you, it never turns out properly. And it's like half the guys you're holding on to, you probably don't need to hold on to. And you're just doing it cause you can, I guess. And um, so a lot of it is roster construction. Like what does your team need? But I, I really like your idea of four and three. I think there's a lot to be said about that for sure. So we'll see. Um, when you're doing your fab, I'll kind of just make a twist on this because it, it involves your roster construction, your your bench maintenance. Mm-hmm. You talked about your churning and burning. Um, do you have like a set uh, kind of program you follow? Like, do you go and check a couple websites? Do you have like a plan of attack? Like, how do you go about your fab? I'm, I'm curious about that. This is still a work in progress. I'll be honest. It's, it with is you. for everybody. Still, I, you know, real, real it, quick, it, yeah. real quick. I just want to say is. Yeah. I love this. I think I've asked almost every guest I've ever had on this show, at least in the last couple of years. I don't think we've had ever two. It's like a snowflake. There's no two answers the same. So how do you do fab? Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. Um, so I, I try to do it, honestly. Like I've realized that I do better when I start earlier in the week. Like if I save my fab until like if I start really looking at it on Saturday, for example, I just feel like there's just too much to digest and I just don't make good decisions. Um, as I, I'm just a person, I need to be prepared, you know? So like I, I'm trying to do a little bit like each day, um, you know, maybe like Wednesday, I look at the hitters that are available. And then Thursday, I look at the pitchers. Um, I'm a big proponent of uh, Razzball as a, many, many people are. Uh, so that's one of the tools that I use. Um you know, so that's that's really it. I'm still trying to get a good rhythm there. I feel like I'm I'm getting better. Um so yeah, I mean that that's really obviously fan graphs. I, I use a lot, yeah. I know people kind of like there are people who kind of think this may be um I don't know, they kind of make fun of like the hot streaks or whatever, but I, mm-hmm. I tend to look at fan graphs like last 14 days and yep. I don't know. I mean, again there are different views on this but i find that to be very helpful and it's helped me to identify a lot of players that are kind of like on the upswing even if it's like a very small sample like to like 
I, I was on on the wire podcast like four or five weeks ago and i was like i think kevin biggio like something's there and it was only yep. like 20 28 bats and it yep. sounded crazy at the time um but you're seeing like i just saw a tweet he's like one of the ops leaders over the yep. past month or, you know yep. uh, or brandon jury i picked up brandon jury in my main event i got him for six bucks uncontested you know because yep. i saw something in just like 28 bats and i was like all right you know maybe maybe there's something here um so that that's a tool that i use quite a bit um so yeah it's uh, still a work in progress but it'll uh, always be i think <laughs> i think uh, yeah it's always a it's always an ever-changing game but um the gavin biggio thing is very interesting because i picked him up in a lot of places this past week so i started seeing the same things you're seeing and uh he let off on wednesday for the toronto blue jays mm -hmm. so let's just throw that out there he's something's getting better for him like plate discipline a lot of things are getting better for gavin Bezos. we'll see if it sticks but hey he was cheap and we know what he can do the pedigree's there so uh, i'm with you on that one but i 100 percent look at streaks and i agree some people think it's crazy but that's the dfs mindset in me i've done dfs forever and that's why i try to tell people even if you don't play dfs i think listening to dfs content and season-long content play very well together because you can get mm -hmm. splits like you're looking at matchups for the following week you'll get that by playing dfs you can kind of know where these matchups are uh, and then playing the hot streaks because in theory in fab you're looking for guys to help you out for a couple weeks and then you're moving on so you want the guy that's playing hot like you want that or mm -hmm. you want to find the guy like you said like the druries that you can get for cheap and then just ride for a while that's a beautiful thing like when you had a drury I doubt you expected him to be this guy you've locked into your lineup forever. You probably thought, okay, I'm going to ride him for a little bit and see, you know, when, you know, India comes back and he goes back to the bench, I'll drop him. Cool, whatever. And now he's a mainstay right. in your lineup. Like, that's pretty darn awesome. So um, right. I, I think that's a great call. I have nothing against the, I, I know what you're saying. Some people poo poo it. Yes. But uh, I think there is a lot to be said about uh, current quote unquote hot streaks. And you know what? It's maybe because we don't say it as eloquently enough as Toby does when he looks at his rolling graphs. Because that's all mm -hmm. rolling graphs are doing. They're looking at the last 14, right. 30 days, whatever, doing the same thing, essentially. We just don't have a graph in front of us to make it look you know, pretty. So um, mm -hmm. I, I'm 100% I'm, right. I'm on board with you on that. Um, yeah, and it's about yeah. looking at skills, right? We're not looking yep. at, like, who has the most RBIs over the past two weeks, you know? Yep. Or it, it's not about the outcome. I don't even look at it, home runs, whatever. Like, I'm just looking at... Mm -hmm. Uh, and I'm sick enough that I know like this stuff, like a lot of these players, I know kind of like what their baseline is, you know, like what their baseline contact rate or, you know, fly ball percentage. So like if I'm looking at, you know, say the last 14 days and I see there's a player there whose contact rate has gone up 10 points in the past two weeks or uh, their hard hit rate has gone up 10 points, you know, that it, that's like, OK, let me let me pay attention to that. What's going on here? Dig in a little deeper. And a lot of times I feel like um there are some you know I, I get some gems that way so yeah and it's like people also make fun of x stats and i get they're very very loose i'm not like i'm not gonna ignore that they're definitely not the end all be all but what they do is they at least kind of open my eyes to maybe dig deeper on someone and figure out what's going on like by no means is it the end all be all but it's just another right. quick like search because on savant you can be like hey give me the last like 15 days of you know x this minus whatever like whatever one you want to look at and right. at worst it gives you something to look at you can be like ah oh, no nah, he just this you know, it's fool's gold or something but otherwise hey you never know it could be something or i like looking at guys that i like, can improve like their barrel rates or their hard hit rates which right. it, it goes into like the other metrics you're talking about it's not just home runs and stuff it's uh overall quality skills that you can uh, definitely right. build. Upon. yeah and just a larger point like we are trying to put together a puzzle 
you know? So it's, I, I think people um, shoot themselves in the foot when they look at something like that or whether it's that or something else, another stat. And they're like, oh, that's, you know, they kind of dismiss it. Like, you're just like, just open your mind a little bit, you know, and like, at least consider like, it's not, we're not saying that it's like you said, the be all end all, but it's a piece, you know, incorporated. There's no reason to just be so dismissive of certain things. I I, I see some of that and I'm like, you know, I, I try to, um, you know, intentionally just kind of just remain open-minded because I feel like it just helps me become a better player. You have to. It's it's like the old adage, not even just for fantasy baseball. It's like if you're not willing to listen and learn something new every day, you're never going to get better. Like you have to be willing to right. admit when you're wrong. And also, you know, maybe you're right. And now you can help someone else be right. Like there's just there's so many ways that we could all work together because baseball, it's one of the hardest games to play, let alone predict. And we're trying to predict baseball like like the best players are good 30 percent of the time that's just crazy like in no other world is that a, a good thing so if you can find a little puzzle like you said this is like one of those like thousand piece puzzles this isn't a puzzle you or my kids put together this is like the big boy stuff that you, you need to mm-hmm. use glue and put in a frame later and um you, you can't it's it's not easy to do so i think that's a very very valid point uh when, when you're trying to break it all down um, any other thoughts for the NFPC before we get into surprises? Because it's a great conversation. Um, there's so much in this NFPC content out there, but it's so much fun getting in it from different people, especially like, you know, I'm relatively new to NFPC. You said this is your second year. Um, we're still learning. We're always learning. And I think it's fun to kind of chat about it because it can be an intimidating format for many. But it's also, like you said, I think the platform is amazing. So it's I, if, if people can play it, I think it's very, very much worth playing. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply. Yeah, I mean, I, I just encourage anybody who hasn't joined, who hasn't joined a league in the NFBC and nobody's... uh I don't have any affiliation with them, but I just, I do honestly think it's, it's one of, it's the best platform out there. Um, It's the most competitive. Uh, So, you know, and and there are lower price points. Like when people hear NFBC, like the baseball championship, I think some people kind of get like intimidated by that. Um, There are lower price points. Like I'm also in a main event qualifier, you know, and that's $125. You win your league, you win an entry into the main event, which is pretty, pretty sweet awesome. deal so yeah. um you know i i think anybody who's been a little tentative to to jump in uh give it a try i you know i'm pretty sure that that you're going to enjoy yourself because again the competition is is just it's better which to me at least it, it makes it much more fun 
Yeah. And, and something I'll echo on that is I, I've been preaching, like I do the $50 OC qualifiers. I won one last year. Mm-hmm. I'm in a couple this year. If you win, you get an OC ticket, which is worth three fifty. Um, there's also satellite leagues. There's hundred dollar leagues, 150, like there's all different satellite leagues that are standalone leagues. So you can get your feet wet in the format and build your bankroll per se. There's mm-hmm. so many ways to do it. Like, and that's how I was at first. I, I thought it was like, Oh no, I got to pay 1500 bucks or whatever. Seven, whatever is 1750 right. now. So I, like I'm like, there's no way, but there's a lot more, and they're getting better because even like uh, you're on the wire guys you mentioned, awesome dudes. They did like listener leagues that were fifty dollars, and they were right. just their leagues, and NFBC customized it for them. Like I'm thinking about doing some of those this next year, just to get people to try the format and figure it out because I think it's a really cool thing. So 100% with you on that. There's more than just the big, big, big tournaments that could scare even myself off. So uh, I get it. I 100% get it. All right. Let's talk surprises. And uh, as we did this, I picked one player from each team. There's obviously could be more good, bad. I tried to stay optimistic. I love my listeners. Um, they didn't all stay optimistic. Um, but that's that's fantasy baseball in a nutshell. But it's it's a fun conversation to be had because, um, yeah, it's been, it's been a wild first half of the season. So I did this in alphabetical order. Thanks to roster resources. Made life a lot easier. But I'm starting off with Jorge Lopez because if anybody to start the season told you Jorge Lopez would be the closer for the Orioles and a pretty darn good one, picked up his 14th save tonight. Uh, the ratios are pretty good overall. He's striking guys out. You know, he's throwing gas for Jorge Lopez standards. Um, it, it's been it's been pretty interesting. So what are your thoughts on what he's done in this first half and potentially going forward? Yeah, I, I totally just – I missed on him, and I – didn't even consider him uh at any point it's like jorge lopez you know he just was a failed starter and really really bad i'm like how good could he be as a reliever but man he's been awesome 59 percent ground ball rate his velo has ticked up over uh two miles an hour in the bullpen uh he's got a 213 babbit probably due for some regression but you know if you're uh getting the ball on the ground that much and throwing that hard you know i think it's um you know it's not going to be that bad uh, even when he regresses a little bit. And I think the question for him is is whether Baltimore hangs on to him at the deadline. Um, you know, I, I just, I don't see a reason for them to keep him. Um, he's a good story. Uh, but yeah, to me, they're in a position where, you know, they're on the upswing here. They're, uh, you know, at, at this point, I'm not sure if he really holds much value for them. So that that's really my only question. Um, and the Orioles are actually better this year than, than we thought they were going to be. They're actually winning games too, which is giving them more save opportunities. So, uh, yeah, if you have them, you, you're, I think you're hanging on to him, but just, uh, I think if you're, uh, if you need to back yourself up, I think it's Felix Bautista if they don't trade him as well. So it's so hard with these trade deadline situations. Like you just don't know if the next in line is going to get traded as well. So, uh, that's tough, but really impressed with what he's done so far and a great great story too man like he's got i I don't know if you heard like his his son i believe has like these autoimmune conditions so like i was just reading about that when i was doing some prep for this and i'm like man next time i complain about like my kids or whatever you know it's like just shut up you know like shut up because you you gotta appreciate like yeah i got a healthy happy kid i'm like just just stop you know so he's just it's a cool he's an easy guy to root for so Definitely. Uh, yeah, it's, a, it's a great story. And you mentioned their bullpens, ama- one of the best bullpens in baseball this year, which is which is insane to think about when you talk uh-huh. Baltimore Orioles. You mentioned Felix Bautista. He's one of those closer specs you guys can go look at because eventually someone's getting traded. That's just the bottom line. 
Um, but yeah, it might be both of them. She might go down to Tate or someone else. It'll be interesting to see uh, with that going forward. So yeah, Jorge Lopez, great, great story. I guess we'll see how it plays out going forward. Um, any other thoughts on uh, Mr. Lopez? No, let's move on to uh, All right, Mr. Nick Pavetta. Pavetta. This one is a tough one because I, I put this together before he blew up on Monday night or Tuesday night, before he blew up on Tuesday night. Uh, so that kind of takes a step back. But prior to that start on Tuesday, he was really, really, really good and um, has been almost like the ace of that rotation. So he's been a welcomed addition to the team now. He's a surprise, and I guess, in how good he's been doing. I know a lot of people were in on him as a sleeper pick this year. But, uh, yeah, Nick Pavetta, for me, is the, is the surprise because, you know, Devers is amazing. Jaron Duran's getting close to being the surprise. He's actually playing a lot. But I gave it to Pavetta. What do you say? Yeah, so I was looking at his skills. And, honestly, like, I felt I felt badly because I don't have him either anywhere. Um like this is a theme with a lot of players that were on this list i'm like i don't have any of these guys uh but um with pavetta after looking at the skills i'm like yeah he's kind of nick pavetta you know like he's got an 8.9 percent home run to fly ball rate career mark is 15 percent. so i think we're going to see some regression there because it's not like there's been a, a change like you know the uh batted ball quality like there, there's nothing there that indicates that he should have that much of a lower home run to fly ball rate uh his fastball velo is actually down this year a, a tick to 93.4 uh, so again i think he's kind of the same pitcher he's been one thing i will say about him is that he's going 5.9 innings per start which uh you know he he's giving you volume he's already pitched 100 innings so um that is valuable and he's not He's not a bad pitcher by any means, but, you know, I, I think a, a guy who could give you volume and give you, even if it's just like regular old Nick Pavetta, um, that has value definitely in 15 teamers. And I, I think even in 12s, uh, but I got a trivia question for you, Bubba. Okay. Um, what former Red Sox pitcher was Nick Pavetta traded for in 2015? Ooh, 2015. Nick Pavetta, former Red Sox pitcher. Let's go with um, Josh Beckett. In that era, but uh, you're kind of close. It was Jonathan Papelbon. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Good old Papelbon. That's a good one. That's a good one. Oh, I couldn't stand him. I did like his entrance music, though. That that, uh, uh, shipping out to Boston song, that's one of my favorites. But uh, shipping out to Boston, rather um that's but, a good uh one. yeah so that's nick pavetta what are what are your thoughts on him i i agree with what a lot a lot of you're saying like i like pavetta i think there's a lot of upside with pavetta we've seen a lot of the upside with pavetta but when you look under the hood it's like you said it's a lot of nick pavetta like the the fips and the x fips are saying he's getting a little lucky if you want to really get into it uh, the velocity you know is not great but the fact he's getting the innings he's getting the strikeouts he's on a very good team in in the red Sox that are scoring a lot of runs uh he definitely fits the mold is definitely a player in 15s as you mentioned and i got him in 12s i, I definitely do um and until he really starts hitting the fan it's he's going to be out there more often than not but uh it's one of those i'm waiting for the other shoe to drop it just hasn't really dropped enough yet we'll see if it happens again after this last start but uh yeah i'm with you i, I was i'm surprised he's been this good because i'm used to like you know it's a coin toss every time he comes out there but he's been a little better than that so far this year Let's go to the Chicago White Sox, Mr. Jake Berger, who, you know, we always, you know, have fun with the name and he he showed some power from time to time. He hits the ball hard. 
started getting regular playing time and started hitting the ball very, very well for the White Sox. But now he got rele- relegated to a platoon with uh, Gavin Sheets, and now he's on the IL. So this surprise may be coming to an end. We shall see. But what's your thoughts on Jake Berger? Yeah, it's kind of a moot point now. I mean, Mankata's back. Playing time is is not really going to be there. He's injured, um, you know, and he was, listen, His uh, he's got power. You know, he's got a 114 max EV, uh, almost 15% barrel rate. Uh, so dude hits the ball hard. I think he he's a player in this league, but right now I don't think he's really fantasy viable. I mean, he's his contact rate is at 67%. Uh, so, you know, not someone I'm really, if, if I have him anywhere, he's, he's getting dropped, uh, and not someone I, I really feel like is worth picking up. Now, if Mankata goes down again, or there's other injuries in the White Sox lineup, then, then it's a discussion again, but, uh, yeah, not, not really, you know, interested in him moving forward here. Yeah. I, I liked running with him. This is a similar guy. Like we talked about earlier, we looked at the, you know, the hot streak, you wrote it, you did your thing. Yep. And it's like not time to ditch. Like you know, here we go. Time Thank to you go for your service. Yep, <laughs> and that's that's the name of the game. Because when you added him, you got you probably got him for cheap. And now you you drop him and you do the with the next guy and you just keep moving through the line. And like you said, maybe he comes back. Moncada gets hurt again. We we do the dance again. Like it's just how it works. But holding them right now is just a lost cause for sure. Even if even if he didn't go on the IL, it was starting to get bleak. And so uh, it's time to move on from Berger. Like what we saw, but he's going to be a, one of those really streaky guys. It feels like. Um, so we'll have to kind of. Wait and see how that one goes. All right. Cleveland Guardians. This one's really fun because it was last year. Everyone was like, Andres Jimenez, the greatest thing ever. Power, speed. He's going to do it all. Yeah, he didn't do it all. He'd break it to you guys. You know, spoiler alert. But um, this year, as kind of a little more the buzz died down for Jimenez, he's playing pretty darn good. He's hitting almost 300 entering today. Nine home runs, six stolen bases. Like, you, you probably thought more steals from him, but... Overall, he's been, at least for me, way more productive than I ever thought he would be. So he's a big surprise for me. What are your thoughts on Andres Jimenez? Yeah, like you said, I expected more in the stolen base department, uh, but he's kind of making up for that by giving you a little bit more power than you expected. He's got a 187 ISO. Uh, Really, the biggest thing for him is playing time now. I mean, last year he was kind of relegated to uh, platoon. Now he's got uh, he he's playing. He's played 21 of the Guardians past 23 games. Uh, that's due to a major improvement against lefties. He's only got uh, he's got a 15% K rate. Uh, you're not getting any pop from the left side, but at least he's becoming passable against lefties. He, he's got like a above a 100 WRC plus against them. So that's huge. Um, you know, if he's an everyday player, I, I think we could expect a little bit more speed moving forward. But yeah, the power has been pretty good. The barrel rate has doubled from 3.6% last year to 7.8% this year. Uh, so I think he's a player to be excited about. Still only 23 years old. Uh, but here's my uh, my fun fact on, or yeah, well, this one's a fun fact on Andre Jimenez. And I, I like to trigger the Mets fans. because my, my dad's a huge Mets fan and, you know, I'm a Yankee fan. So I like to, to have a little fun with them. And he's going to be listening to this. So he'll like this one. Uh, so I'm going to give you a number, and you tell me what it is as it relates to Andres Jimenez. Thirty-one million one hundred thousand dollars. Thirty-one million one. Oh, this ought to be good. This is going to be really good. Um, <laughs> is this how much money that Francisco Lindor cost that the Mets could have saved by keeping Andres Jimenez? 
Exactly. Yeah, you <laughs> nailed it. And WRC plus for Francisco Lindor, one fourteen. Jimenez, one thirty-seven. Oh, I love go. it. I love it. This is amazing. That that's so good. So good. Um, just another Mets. Can't you know, wait still for paying the Bobby fans to respond. Yeah. They're still paying Bobby Bonilla. Now they're going to pay Francisco Lindor. Like it's, it's good times. Good times being a Mets fan. You know, maybe they'll get to Grom back soon. Who knows? We'll see. We'll see how that goes. I hope so for them. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you there. For baseball fans, we all want to Grom back. Um, yep. Detroit Tigers. It's not easy finding a surprise in Detroit. I'll be honest. So I went with Gregory Soto just because so many were poo-pooing him going into the season. Dude's got 16 saves. One of the most saves in baseball, at least in the American League. Striking guys out okay. Walks too many guys. That's always been a problem for him. Ratios are okay. At least the ERA, obviously, the whip is not great. The um, XFIP and everything don't point to good stuff. But we expected a roller coaster from Soto. And I think if you drafted Soto and took a chance on Soto, he's definitely outperforming your expectations so far. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's 16 for 18 and save opportunities. Um, and he's one guy I actually did have in a couple places and on my main event team because he, he was really like my ideal closer target. Um, he, you know, he, you could get him in the middle rounds. He was going in like round seven. I think I got him in round, uh, yeah, round six or seven. Um, and the reason I took him is because we, the tiger said right away, he was the guy. So, and that's what I'm looking for because I, I'm not a big fan of spending a second round pick on a closer. I did videos on that and I know, you know, there's, there's a lot of different opinions on that. Not saying that I'm right, but I just prefer to go for like those middle tier guys who I know at least have the job and have some leash. So the fact that the Tigers were so open about him being the guy, I'm like, all right, well, they're going to give him, a, they're going to, you know, give him some leash there. And in the second half last year, he did show some improved skills. He, his uh, velocity went up a tick. Uh, he had an increased strikeout rate. Uh, so, you know, it didn't start out great for him this year. The peripherals were very ugly. And it was like, all right, let me get Michael Fulmer on all my teams because I thought he was yeah. going to lose a job. But, man, he's turned it around. The K rate is up to 34% in June. Um, I, I, with him, too, though, I don't know. I think... The Tigers are, are going to keep him. He is eligible for arbitration next year, uh, but you just you never know. I think Fulmer's going from there. Uh, I wouldn't be totally shocked if Soto went, being that he's a lefty and he could be really valuable for a contender. Um, I'm wondering, would, would you take like let's say Soto versus Bednar? Who would you rather have uh, going forward? Oh, that's fun because both might get traded. So <laughs> that's a that's really tricky. I. I think Soto, just because as weird as this sounds, I think Detroit wins more games than Pittsburgh, so he has more save chances. Bednar, I think, is the better pitcher, 100%. Like, he's filthy. Yeah. Really sure. filthy. And he goes more like he has the – he's kind of a Josh Hader almost. He'll give him two innings, sometimes three. But the Pirates just don't give him many chances. So um, I think I go Soto. What about you? Uh, I probably tough. go Bednar just because yeah. – yeah, it is – yeah. Uh, that's why that's why I came up with the question. It's yeah, not it's an genius, easy one. Uh, yeah, uh, I can't even answer it myself. Probably Bednar, uh, just because I think the skills are are um, not as shaky, and yeah. I, I don't think they're going to trade him. I, I think, and there's been people talking about this, like he's a hometown guy, and Pirates are on on the upswing here, so so maybe they just hang on to him. Uh, so yeah, probably Bednar. But my other question for you is. What this is very random, but what Bob Marley song title 
does Gregory Soto have tattooed on his neck? Oh my goodness, I have no idea. I don't even know where to begin on that one. <laughs> that's I didn't even know he had a song title on his neck. Oh, that's I great. mean, come um, on. Do you really? I mean, you got to know your players, Bubba. I mean, you oh, may know I, their X stats or whatever, but I only know guys with tattoos, tattoos on their lower. I only know tattoos on the lower back. I don't pay attention to the neck tattoos. So, ah, uh, uh, okay, yeah, uh, all right, all right, respect. Um, that. Uh, I don't know <laughs> what is it. One love, you know, mm-hmm. oh, that makes sense. Okay, mm-hmm. it's one of the popular ones. I got it. Okay, yeah, yep. So, one so love. all right. Well, that is that is a takeaway, guys. Like, if you are uh, gonna draft a player, you, you really got to get to know them. You got to know their personal okay. lives, their well, you're, tattoos. Like, you're, you're a Yankees fan. Deep. You're a Yankees fan. What's tattooed on a roll is Chapman's neck. <laughs> I don't want to know. I don't I even, really I don't don't even know. know. I don't even know. I'm just curious yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. No, that one I don't know. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's yeah. go to the Houston Astros, a pivot for Yankees fans everywhere. Uh, Jeremy Pena could be the AL Rookie of the Year, hitting 273 with 12 homers, six stolen bases. Um, I know some smart people were in on him because it looked like, you know, going through spring, he was going to be the starting shortstop. I never thought he'd be this good. I was a fool and did not uh, buy into the hype. I regret every moment of it so far. He has been absolutely amazing, Torres. So what's your thoughts on Jeremy Pena? Yeah, so he started out just on fire, right? I mean, he was looking like hands down, going to be the rookie of the year. Um, You know, and and still, you look at the overall numbers. They look solid. uh, But just something I'm just paying attention to, like his quality of contact has not been good now since May. And I know he got injured in June, but that wasn't that was on a, a diving play. He hurt his thumb. Uh, so that didn't have anything that, you know, in May, I don't believe there was an injury affecting him. Hard hit rate was at 22% in May and June after being at 36% in April. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, in, um, you know, in reference to Toby here, he, I, I pulled up his rolling graph and his skills have been trending down all across the board. The contact percentage has decreased. O swing has been up over 40%. He's only been walking three to four percent since May, so I don't know if it's a matter of just him hitting a rookie wall, the league figuring him out. Um, but you know, you look at the rest of season projections, pretty solid. Bad X has him as a six dollar player rest of season in a fifteen team league uh, with ten home runs, six steals, and a two fifty five average. So uh, that that is solid there. But just something to pay attention to because you know um, the skills definitely have not been. Uh, as solid for him now obviously you can't do this in an nfbc league but so you can in some other formats would you look to trade jeremy pena from what you're seeing right now it all depends i mean yeah it's tough you know these questions in the vacuum are tough i i would definitely consider you know like if i have a viable replacement for him um you know and and i have a need uh yeah I, i would definitely uh, be willing to to shop him uh, yeah. but i got trivia for him too and this is nice. a good one all right so what other major league shortstop does jeremy pena share a birthday with and he's an active is he a starting major league shortstop can i get a cheat yes and he's okay. in the american league and he's in the american league um starting shortstop it'd be great if it was carlos correa because that's his the guy he replaced is it Carlos Correa? 
You are right. Uh, Carlos Correa. <laughs> I mean, how freaking you can't weird make that is up. That? You can't make that you can't up. Make that. Like he comes in for Correa and everybody's like, well, forget about Carlos Correa. I mean, this guy might be better, you know, oh, and, so and yeah, it's just so bizarre. Uh, when I look oh, that up, man. I mean, just, yeah, couldn't believe it. But who would you rather have rest of the season, Correa or Pena? Probably Pena. This is this is where this is where fantasy baseball and it's a very big problem. I have I have biases, and Carlos Correa has a big bias in my world. Like the injuries he has, he doesn't steal bases. Or at least Pena will steal some bags. Um, I think he'll score more runs than Correa, hitting second in that Astros lineup. Correa probably gets more power. I'll take Pena, and I know a lot of people will disagree with me on that. Yeah, I, I'd probably. Um... Yeah. It depends, you know, like if I need more power, I'm probably going Correa, but I know he's not going to get me any speed. So depends on what the rest of my team looks like, but they're close. I mean, if you look at rest of the season projections they're kind of, I think they're like two spots away from each other in terms of uh, projected value for the rest of the season. So that'll be a fun one to pay attention to uh, going forward. Another fun one is the Kansas City Royals. I could have just put Bobby Witt Jr., but I think everyone was so hyped on him when he got drafted so high. It didn't quite fit the mold for me. So it was tough finding a replacement for that. But I went Hunter Dozier mainly because people told me I was a fool for thinking he'd be serviceable, especially in DCs. Uh, he's got nine home runs, two stolen bases, hitting 264. Like, not a world beater by any means, but very serviceable. And if you want to talk about a guy, if you want to look like at his last 14, 30 days, whatever, the quality of contract metrics suit Hunter Dozier very, very well. So what's your thoughts on a Hunter Dozier? Again, not an easy pick when it comes to Kansas City. He's kind of boring, right? I mean, he like he's he's having an okay year right now. He's 220 overall on the Rasball Player Raider. Um, I mean, I, I think last year he was a little unlucky. Um, you know, and this year his BABIP is like 50 points higher. So it's like he's kind of making up for that. Uh, contact rate is up five points from 69% last year to 74% this year. Uh, and he's playing every day too. And, you know, now he's going to be hitting, be hitting behind our, our new boy, Vinny P. Uh, yep. So hopefully some more RBI opportunities on the way. I, I feel like just being in Vinny P's presence is just going <laughs> to like, maybe it just unlocks Hunter Dozier. Um, yes. But uh, yeah. And he's probably going to keep playing every day because the Royals are, I'd imagine going to ship off some pieces here at the deadline. Hunter Dozier is on a team friendly contract. He's a versatile player. They probably just hang on to him and just throw him out there for the rest of the season. So, um, you know, he's serviceable. He does have multi position eligibility, which we talked about the value of that. He's first, third, and outfield. So, definitely uh, a guy that I'd be cool with having on my bench in 15s. Yeah, for sure. That's why I love them for DCs, just for that versatility more than anything. So, boring is a great way to describe him, but he will have stretches where he'll be very serviceable. That's for sure. Another guy. I got trivia for you on this oh, one. I, oh, I don't, sweet, man, I don't sweet, miss any sweet. here. All right. Bring it. All right. What nickname did Hunter Dozier choose to wear on his jersey Ooh. for Players Weekend in 2019? Which I think they should bring back, by the way. But They should. Uh, and this one's not should. that hard. You don't have to be that creative to come up Bulldozer. with Bulldozer? Close. Bulldoze. Man, yeah, nicely okay. done. I got, I got to give you some, you know, yeah, some free give some, you got to give some free movies. Yes, yeah. I agree. You can't, they can't all be Carlos yep. Correa's the, a birthday. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So no, I like that. I like right. that. They should bring, they should bring, moving on. What, what, what would you, what would you have on the back of your jersey? Just Torres takes. 
Uh, oof, that's a tough one. Uh, yeah, it would probably just be Torres. Well, no, it can't be Torres because yeah, that's your last name. You gotta be different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, man. I guess Torres takes, I, I really, I'd have to think about that one. Yeah. Okay. Mike so, Kerwin is enjoying. All right. So let's move on to another there. Torres. So. Yes. Well, not yet. We haven't got there yet. He's coming up. we got to go to Los Angeles, okay. Angeles, Anaheim first. Taylor Ward. Oh who Joe Madden swore would be the starting outfielder. And so many of us were like, no, no, there's no way. You got Joe Adele. You got Brandon Marsh. What are you doing? Well, Taylor Ward is playing and playing very, very well. So I was very, very wrong on Taylor Ward. Did get him in some fab leagues, thank goodness. But still, not ideals, but quite a surprise this year. What do you say? Uh, so, yeah, I mean, he's been one of the biggest breakouts of the season. Uh, and it's really all about playing time for him. I mean, I, I don't know, maybe Joe Madden was like doing a meditation and all something like all of a sudden like he just had this epiphany that Taylor Ward is actually good and he should be playing every day um you know last year I was like I remember I had Taylor Ward on a few teams like why is it this guy's skills are good like why don't they just give him an everyday job and then uh you know I I wasn't that uh, I, I was kind of in on him this year but um you know, all of a sudden Joe Madden decides like he's playing every day and leading off. So, and that unlocked him, you know, right now he's got 12 home runs with a three Oh three average skills are solid with a, a 13% barrel rate hitting lead off in front of trout and Otani rest of the season projected for 12 home runs, three stolen bases and a two sixty five average, making him a $7 player rest of the season, uh, according to the bat X, which, you know, that's a, a solid projection. So my question for you on Taylor Ward is, which super smart, incredibly sharp NFBC player drafted Taylor Ward in the 50th round of one of his draft champions leagues? Was this Torres? One of the best. Chance? One of the best out there. It wasn't you, was it? It was me. I got yeah. him in the 50th <laughs> round. That's amazing. Like, I just, Yeah. I mean. This is why it, you're in second place been, in so many leagues. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, that was, uh, when that one worked out, that felt good. But, um, oh, and getting back to your players weekend question, it'd be CT three. That would be my players weekend name. So are you the third? No, see, no, just like CP3, CP3, CT3. That's I got you. Just, I got yeah, you. I got yeah. you. That's, I, I had to All make right. sure I had to check it out. Okay, cool. cool. <laughs> different. It's different. Um, Minnesota twins. Speaking of teams that were tough to find surprise players on, Johan Duran has been outstanding out of the bullpen. It looked like he'd be the closer, then he kind of got hurt. Now he's back. He's the closer again. He's got five saves. He's electric on the mound, throwing gas with nasty breaking pitches. Um, he's pretty much the real deal, it seems, right now. Yeah, man, he is. he's filthy. Uh, it's just ridiculous stuff. Uh, I mean, average fastball velo, 100.6 miles an hour. Uh, the skills all line up. He's got a 1.79 Sierra, but really the thing that matters is whether or not he gets the saves, right? So he's got five on the year, but we know that the twins, they're not going to settle on just one guy. They want to use him in that high leverage reliever role. And I think they're going to, they're going to be looking in to bring in another high leverage reliever at the deadline. You know, they're in first place. I think I saw something about potentially like Lutrovino being rumored to go there. So, um, you know, I think he's kind of going to be in the same role, but I think he's a perfect guy to have. We were talking about like roster construction before. He, for me, is like the perfect like swing man. Like 
like third closer slash high leverage reliever that you move in and out of your lineup, depending on your starters, um, you know, probably starting more often than not, just because it's, it's hard to find seven guys, seven decent yeah. starters in a week. So I like, I, I think he's the perfect guy cause he'll get some ancillary saves and we know like there's, there's a good chance he's going to uh, protect your ratios for you. Yeah. I, I like that a lot of him, like the Paul Sewolds, the Devin Williams right. of the world. Uh, they're those guys that uh, we didn't really talk about it on the NFPC part, but it was on a week where like you're going, I really don't want to start that pitcher. Well, then you slide this guy in for the week. Like you don't have to play him every week, but they're a great fill-in spec closer type situation. So 100% agree with you on that one. All right. Uh, we go to the New York Yankees here, and we have uh, a little Torres action. Glaber Torres, who has 13 home runs on the year, four stolen bases, striking out less than 19% of the time, hitting nearly 260 i think we can almost say he's back not completely but he's getting close so i think the the comeback has been quite the a nice welcome surprise this year uh, he, he's back baby i mean that's yeah. that's my brother from another mother he's but he's considerably more rich and better looking than me let's, let's make that clear <laughs> um uh, but his uh his fly ball rate uh one of the biggest things i mean the, the quality of contact has been better Barrel rate is up to 10.6%. Fly ball rate jumped from 36 to 49%. Huge jump there. Uh, that's what you want playing in Yankee Stadium. You know, I, I think this is one of those things we need to look at, like some of the non-statistical uh, things, like him switching from shortstop to second base. I think that's been helpful for him at the plate. We knew he was not a shortstop. Uh, he struggled defensively there. And I have to imagine that had some impact on him at the dish over the past two years um so yeah i think he's back i mean i couldn't for someone to flash like he did in 2019 and to just fall off like he did it was just like so head scratching that that player like you know that that old ron chandler at it's like once you demonstrate a skill like you own it like we knew labor had that he was still so young like uh, i unfortunately did not take any chances on him this year um in hindsight i'm kicking myself but I think he's he's going to be solid rest of the season, uh, hitting in a good lineup. Um, so, yeah, uh, I'm in on him. But I want to ask you, do you know what Torres means in English? Is I know Toro's bull. Um, is it related to bull or am I wrong? Nope. Okay, what's Tor- I feel bad because I, I know a lot of Spanish too, but I do not know Torres. What's it mean? Towers. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. All righty. Good to know. Good to know. Um, you added a second New York Yankee, and I like this one quite a bit. So what do you got for us? Yeah, I mean, if, if we're if we're talking about, you know, surprise players, we, we got to talk about nasty Nestor Cortez. I mean, yeah. uh, he's got a top five stash and a top 10 whip on the year. I mean, he's number 58 overall as of yesterday on the Rasball Player Raider. Listen, he's doing it with command. The stuff is not overwhelming. Uh, according to Cameron Groves' stuff metric, which you could follow him on Twitter at PitchingBot. He's it's awesome resource. Um, but uh, he has a, a stuff rating, and 50 is considered average. So Cortez is sitting at a 45, which obviously is below average. The command, however, is graded out at 60. Um, so he's really getting by on good command. Can he sustain that the whole year? Yeah. I mean, uh, possibly, 
you know um i i put out a tweet like a month ago about like how this reminds me kind of like like the ra dickey season you know like when he just came out of nowhere i think it was like 2012 and it just all came together you know and just he put a full seat and will end up winning the Cy young i don't think cortez does that but uh some guys sometimes guys just put it together uh but he's a good pitcher uh, he's he's increased his cutter usage to 36 percent this season, which is almost as much as his fastball. Uh, and and the, I believe the fastball is getting a 12 percent swinging strike rate, which is uh, above average for uh, a fastball. Slider has gone. Uh, this is a little concerning. Slider has gone from 11 percent to a 6 percent swinging strike rate this year, which is well below league average. Uh, league average for slider whiff rate is 15 percent. Uh, so all that is to say, I think we do see some negative regression for Cortez, but I don't think I, I think he's still going to be very solid, be an asset to your fantasy teams. Steamer rest of the season has him down for a three nine eight ERA and a one two zero whip uh, bat projections have him for a 26 percent K rate. So that, to me, that makes him like a solid SP three the rest of the season. And, you know, the win potential being on the best team in baseball, that also uh, provides a nice boost to his value. Yeah, I love Nasty Nestor. I have him a lot of leagues right now, so I'm a, I'm a big fan of him. Oh, why didn't you tell me anything beforehand? I mean, come on, like he's another guy. I don't have anywhere. Uh, I, I I drafted a lot, but it was one of those that people said there's no way he can. Because I loved how he finished last season. But to be fair, I yeah. loved how Ranger Suarez did too. So I had a lot of him as well. So win some, you lose some. Um, but uh, I was willing to take some chances on Nasty Nestor. So I'm a big fan of a. Uh, of what we saw there and did i think he'd be this good no i'm not crazy but it's been it's been impressive and impressive to watch him like you said nothing beats that stash that stash is absolutely amazing so uh, all right so let me ask you this then mm-hmm. who's got uh, this is a two-part question so nester cortez or spencer strider rest of season but also oh, I, I, I two of them who's got the better stash <laughs> yeah i'm gonna go with strider for now because it feels like he does more with it or nester's just got like the i mean business stash Unless I've missed right. something lately, where Strider kind of curls pretty, his and man. stuff once in a while. Like Strider, he, he models his once in a while. Um, rest of season, that's a great question. That's why you asked it, of course. Um, I'm going to go with Nestor just because I'm worried with Strider. They're going to start limiting him from time to time because he's so young. Mm. I'm going to go with right. Nestor, but I like them both a lot. I think that's, that's, that's a really good comp right there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm with you on that one. All right. Oakland Athletics. Not a lot of surprises here, to be really honest. So I went with Seth Brown. He's actually been serviceable. I know some people like him coming into the year with the power speed we saw last year. You know, 20 home runs, four stolen bases. This year, 10 home runs already, seven stolen bases. No batting average to enjoy. But a little power speed from the Oakland Athletics. Any thoughts on Seth Brown? I mean, this whole team makes me nauseous, man. Like everything yeah. about them. I look at that lineup every day. I'm like, oh my God. Um, the ballpark, the, it's just, it's so bad in Oakland. They're a disgrace. They are an absolute disgrace to baseball that they are, are you know, tanking this bad. And it, it's just, it's, it's pathetic. Um, but anyway, uh, Seth Brown. Uh, yeah, he's yeah. got some sneaky speed. Uh, seven stolen bases on the year, which is more than Andres Jimenez. Um, the thing with him is that he is a uh, he's a platoon player. You know, he's can't hit lefties. He's got a 29 WRC plus against him this year. 30 WRC plus for his career. Hashtag not good. Um, one thing I will say though, we were talking about expected stats before. According to Stack uh, Statcast, 
273 expected batting average, according to them. So I don't know. I don't know if that, you know, how much weight we should put into that. But again, like we were talking about before, it's a piece of the puzzle, something to consider. I'm not expecting him to be a 270 hitter. He just doesn't have that profile. Uh, but maybe you get a 230 or 240 yeah, instead so of a 240. Yeah. Like maybe we meet in the meet in the middle. That's doable. Right, right. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, he's not going to play against lefties. But when he is playing, he's hitting second or third uh, when he does start. So he's a borderline guy in 12 teamers um, and, you know, a decent corner in, in 15 teamers. But even there, like we talked about our bench before, like I'm trying not to put too many, like, maybe Seth Brown qualifies, but like, I really don't want guys who are in a platoon, even on my bench, you know, because it just, it, it gets hard to play them, you know, like, why am I going to put in Seth Brown when he's, even if he's say got like three games Monday through Thursday and only two of them are against a righty. Like, do I really want that? You know, is it worth it? Especially in that lineup. So he's, uh, he's kind of questionable for me right now, but um, I want to ask you, what famous actress is Seth Brown dating right now? Oh, my. I honestly didn't know he was dating a famous actress. So uh, can you give me a, a hint? Well, I'll be honest, Bubba. I'm just totally I'm making that up. I'm the, oh, I'm about to go. I didn't think I he was no, dating one. I had nothing on Seth Brown. He's such yeah. a generic name that I can't yeah. even find anything about, yeah, about so him. Funny. But hey, but Cole Tucker. Listen, Cole oh, Tucker is uh, dating Vanessa Hudgens. Yes. So yes. why not Seth Brown? Why can't Seth I'm Brown be dating Jay? Maybe Seth Brown needs to no. get the Cole Tucker hair. That's the thing. Yeah. And like yeah, as you can no, tell from me, that, I know a lot about the hair. So, <laughs> yeah, right. I'm with you there. Uh, the one thing I'll say about Seth Brown, and it goes back to the lineup uh, bench situation, what he's good for is when you look ahead for streaming, when it is a week where it's a lot of right-handed pitching. That's where Seth Brown comes into play. Otherwise, it's tough. So I'm with you 100% on that one. Now, I'm going to cheat on this next one. I didn't take Bobby Witt earlier, but for the Mariners, I'm taking Julio Rodriguez, partly because he wasn't drafted super highly until we knew he was on the team. So there's a little bit of a surprise there. And let's be honest. Did we expect to see a guy hitting 277 with 15 home runs and 21 stolen bases at the beginning of July? I think that's even better than most expected. So this dude is insane, Torres. Yeah, I mean, he is just a fantasy superstar, first rounder next year, fastest player ever to reach 15 home runs, 20 stolen bases in his career. Number six right now on the Rasball Player Raider. I mean, he's he's got it all. He's a blast to watch. He's engaging, charismatic, like, like this dude should be over all over every marketing campaign for MLB. Like they MLB cannot market their stars. Like they're nope. so bad at it, but like you have this dude on like, he is the guy, you know? Um, I think he's the next superstar. He's like the next Acuna, you know? Uh, I think he's just going to crush the rest of the year. And it's just really a matter of how high is he going to go in the first round next year? Yep. Um, you know, over the past 30 days, I was just looking, he has a 21% barrel rate contact rate is a little lower than you'd like 68% during that stretch. But listen, when you're making that good quality of contact and, and stealing bases, being as aggressive as he is, which I didn't even realize like he was that much of a base stealer. Um, you're, you're just going to be an absolute stud. Yeah, I did not expect the speed that all the, the base stealing that we're seeing. I'm 100 with you on that. Like the, we we expected some pop and everything, but 
what he's doing is insane and he's just a joy to watch he's a, just a joy like you hear him in his interviews and stuff the dude just having fun yeah. playing baseball like it's it's everything yeah. you need like you said baseball just does not get out of their own way uh it's because they're playing for that metal the hunk of metal uh, trophy apparently so it's just a it's a mess over there in the offices in new york but uh Love watching Julio. I can't wait to see where he goes in drafts next year because it's already a topic of conversation, and it's July 6th. So it's just it's crazy what he's putting together right now. Tampa Bay Rays. Isak, Paredes, 13 home runs already. The Detroit Tigers are like, why? Why now? So um, I'm waiting for it to slow down. This week hasn't gone great, but it's a short time. He's still playing very, very well. What's your thoughts on Isak going forward? Yeah, man, 13 home runs, 336 ISO for the Rays this year. I mean, listen, the Rays don't win every trade, but it seems like they win most of them. And this one is a landslide. You know, they they got they acquired Paredes in the Austin Meadows deal. Um, dude's, you know, I think Meadows is zero. Does he even have a home run yet? I'm not sure. Uh, maybe, maybe he has one. one. Uh, might have Austin one, Meadows. Yeah. 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 He's uh, not good. So, man, it's not looking good. Um, but yeah. Paredes is not like I don't he's not like a huge natural power guy I don't think it ever was part of uh his reputation coming up but listen when you got an 84 percent contact rate you hit the ball in the air oh, over 40 percent of the time and pull it that's the big thing like he he's really made it seems like a conscious effort to pull the ball uh, I think last 30 days he's at 52 percent you, you don't need huge power to hit a lot of home runs when when you're hitting the ball when you have that swing. So um, is it going to continue like this? This is probably the peak I, I would imagine, but uh, man, he has been a boon for the Rays and anybody who, who picked him up a few weeks ago. Yep. hundred percent. This is another one. I don't know if he'll be better than Jake Berger, but ride it, enjoy it. You're ready to ditch when you have to. But like you said, the contact skills and the fact I'm just amazed by how little he strikes out. I, I did not expect that. So that's a, uh, that's a big plus. Like that can be things that these guys can get better and better. Those are the little things you can find the puzzle piece where you can kind of glean and, and see where things go there. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing where that continues on. Two more to go. Texas Rangers, Martin Perez. And yes, it is 2022 Martin Perez. He has made 16 starts, has seven wins, a two, three, four ERA, three, six, nine X fit. Okay. On the strikeout departments. But he's been extremely serviceable this year. It's been crazy to watch. I'm just always terrified of when's it going to fall apart. It really hasn't yet, but I'm still scared. Yeah, I don't blame you. I mean, it's it's Martin Perez. Like, I really don't have a lot to say about this one. And yeah. I was, I remember, I was on the the pull hitter pod like I don't know, probably over a month ago now. And this was kind of my reaction then. And now I just look, I look like a jerk for dismissing him because since then, I mean, he's been great. He's He's really, I mean, look, he's got a two, three, four ERA this year. Um, but like you said, Bubba, it, it really, it could just fall apart anytime. Like, I don't see anything here indicating that he's all of a sudden, um, you know, a, a different pitcher. Same velo, pit, no real change in pick, uh, pitch mix, swinging strike rate, 8.3%. Like, he's, he's just been... He's been the same guy, so um, just be be very careful uh, with him moving forward. Ground ball rate is up quite a bit. I'll say that, but true. Um, yeah, just something to you're you're really gonna have to be careful with him moving forward. Yep, tread lightly. Um, last but not least, the Toronto Blue Jays, and 
they have a lot of great ball players, but Alejandro Kirk has been thoroughly and a joy to watch and just amazing period hitting 317 with 10 home runs, but a near 12% walk rate. And he's striking out less than 10% of the time. Like this is almost Tony Gwynn esque as a catcher, which is crazy to see. Um, Tony struck out even less than this, but uh, in this era of baseball, this is Tony Gwynn esque. It is awesome to watch Alejandro Kirk. And um, he's just, uh, I guess I, I'm calling him a surprise, but this is just awesome to watch. Yeah, he's he's just been amazing this year. He's everything I wanted Williams Astadio to be. Yes. So at least at least we're El getting Tortuga. it. With, uh, yeah. Oh man, I I was uh, I, I was in on him a couple of years ago and, and thought maybe you know with the contact rate that he had, but he just it never worked out. But um, we got some good good laughs out of him though. Uh, yep. <laughs> him running third base. Oh, uh, but uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Um, but Kirk, I mean, dude's got, he, he's got it all. He's a catcher with an elite plate discipline, uh, above average quality of contact with a 10% barrel rate hits in the middle of a uh, really good lineup. I wish we could see a little bit more, um, playing time. He started 15 of the last 20 games. So they alternate him between catcher and DH wish I could see, you know, wish the blue Jays would just be like, this dude is one of the best hitters in baseball. Like, let's just put him in there every day when he's not catching he is our DH, uh, which I, I feel like eventually they're, they're going to have to. Right. I mean, they can't. Why would you bench a guy like this? Um, but, yeah, he last 14 days. It's ridiculous numbers. Fifty one percent hard hit rate. Contact rate is like eighty five percent. The bat has him. The bat X has him as a thirteen dollar player rest of season, which would be uh, the third most valuable catcher moving forward. So, uh, like with it's just like with him, how high does he go next year? Because I, I don't see any holes in what he's done. Like, I think he's going to continue this. Yeah, I'm with you. It's crazy. There's no holes at all. And I think he was about to get traded, it felt like at one point in time, because the, the Morenos and the Jan- Danny Jansons, like, there's an embarrassment of riches in Toronto. So, we'll have to see how they handle that. But yes, they just keep playing him. DH him. I don't care. Play Alejandro Kirk. That's the most yeah. important part. All right, so a couple here's my trivia. Oh, you got one. Uh, I got, yes. gotta give me my trivia. Yep. Back in 2020, Alejandro Kirk became the youngest catcher to have four hits in a game since this catcher did it in 2004. Oh, 2004. They're going to go deeper than that. 2004, youngest catcher. 2004. That's He was really good. For me, at least. And he was in the yeah, American League. Thing. And in the American League, Joe Maurer. Nice job, man. All right. Yeah. Going out with a bang. Yes. Yeah, I'm a baseball nerd. There it's okay. Go. I got you. Yeah. Um, all right. Some listener thoughts. There's there, there's submissions for surprises. Uh, Yancey Eaton, Shane McClanahan. That's a good call. Uh, I guess I didn't take him because he was still getting kind of drafted high, but good one. Then he mentioned Andres Jimenez, Julio Rodriguez, who we hit on. Bad surprises. Joey Gallo, Whit Merrifield, Javi Baez. Fair, fair. Um, next up, Ray Butler mentions Jonah Heim has been a godsend for me in a few leagues. Taylor Ward, Jorge Lopez. We hit Ward and Lopez, but Jonah Heim, good call in Texas. Very, very good call there. I could have put him over Martin Perez. Michael Simeon says, we both know Baez will hit like 25 home runs in the second half. Also, anyone who rostered Gallo, why? Just why? Okay, fair. <laughs> I'll get all your takes on this in a minute. Uh, Heath Caps says, Lourdes Gurriel is one of my AL surprises, Expect, but he expected more punch. I agree, but he's hitting great, just no power. 
Um, Joe G says, uh, Luis Robert is a, another disappointment. And then he proceeded to hit a home run like seconds after that tweet. So that was very, very funny as well. Um, so any thoughts on any of those, like they're, they're good submissions. They hit a lot of ones we talked about already. Any that we might've missed that you would have liked to talked about, uh, thoughts on surprises as we are halfway through this baseball season. Uh, all right. He threw a lot at me here. <laughs> I mean, yeah. You don't have to go um, deep. Just, just thoughts. Yeah. So Luis Robert. Yeah. I, that, that one sticks out to me because I am surprised. I, I felt like he was going to be just like a surefire, you know, like I, I was definitely confident taking him in the first round. Uh, I don't know if it's the injury or what. I mean, I'm pulling up his numbers here. Eight home runs, 126 ISO. Yeah. That's, that is disappointing um 286 average fine 11 stolen bases that's good but yeah not really sure what's going on with the power with him um yeah so a 9.2 percent barrel rate still the max ev is there so i i'd i'd bet on a power bounce back from him uh that just you know but ground ball rate is up a lot so yeah, I don't know. I haven't really, I have him on a few teams and I just, you know, put him out there. And I know Toby has talked about this. Like sometimes you just put players in there and like you just kind of forget about them. You know, you don't really think to yeah. look at like how Luis Rivera is doing. Uh, he's yeah. been good enough that you really don't, you know, put much onto it. But damn, I'm disappointed. <laughs> yeah, I am too. Um, I have a lot. I liked him a lot. I thought he'd be like the guy if you missed out on, uh, you know, the Kyle Tuckers of the world or something, like he'd be your 2020. Right, right. Yeah, 100%. Yep. Yep. Um, and uh, McClanahan, I mean, he is filthy. I think filthy. he's going to be going with the Cole, with Garrett Cole and Corbin Burns next year in that uh, yep. top three pitchers in the first round. So he's doing everything that he's doing is being supported by his underlying skills. Uh, Joey Gallo, I, what a disaster. I mean, <sighs> I, I, I only drafted him at one spot and I was just like, I felt I felt sick afterwards, um, <laughs> you know, but yeah, all, I didn't expect been there. But, yeah, I and I like swore to myself, never do that. But sometimes you just do crazy things, you know, yeah. um, I, I just I think he's not some guys are just not meant to play in New York. I, I really you know, I, I, I think that's a thing. Um, so, yeah, he, he needs a change of scenery, you know, Um so th those are my thoughts on i'm just trying to remember here we had jonah heim man 126 wrc plus he's been home runs for a catcher that is a nice yeah. <laughs> i don't have him anywhere so i haven't really yeah. followed him that closely but that is a nice season um so i don't know what about you anybody that that stands out there the Lu the Luis robert one is, is a big one jonah heim's a guy i've, I've kind of in some of my 12 teams i've just kind of been rotating through like trevino heim um cal raleigh as like rotating through like for like a buck here and there based on matchups for the week and Haim is his number has been called up a few times for me so i like what we're seeing in that one um no joey gallo for me at all javi Baez has been a big disappointment i thought like i was nervous it is that i always kept saying eventually his craziness of the plate's going to catch up to him i still think he's, he's starting to show a few signs of life of late so he's a guy that can literally bring back an entire season of stats in like a month. So yeah, I'm not completely absolutely. done with him just yet because there's still signs of life with him, but it is disappointing, 100% disappointing. So that'd be kind of the ones there. McClanahan, I only have a few shares of because I was worried about how the Rays would utilize him with innings, just the way they utilize their pitchers. Yeah, I shouldn't have been afraid. It's been amazing with what they're doing with him. So it's going to be fun to see that discussion 
between Cole, Burns, and McClanahan because there's some very smart NFC players already saying they'd take McClanahan first, which is an interesting interesting discussion mm. for sure. Wow. So, okay. yeah, it'll, it'll be fun. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's cool to see how these go. Um, there's always surprises, and that's kind of what makes your break drafts. Like you said, you got Taylor Ward in the 50th round of a DC. It's like – at the time you're thinking, okay, we're just kind of throwing wings and prayers out there, but if they hit, it's just, it's, it's gravy. It's, it's the, feels so cats, good, man. yeah, it's, it's amazing. And that's kind of how it sounds silly, but that's how you win things, obviously. So, um, or even simple things like you talked about earlier, being early on Brandon Drury, like that's huge. People that were a week or two early on John Birdie, I got like 18 stolen bases from the dude. It's, uh, mm-hmm. those little things yep. go a long, long ways. So yep. most definitely. Uh, any final thoughts before we head out of here, Torres? It's been an absolute pleasure chatting it up with you tonight. No, that's it. I just really I appreciate you you having me on. Um, man, you make it so easy. Like I gotta say, like uh, not just because I'm on your podcast, but like you just so like I, I just felt like so comfortable talking. <laughs> it's just amazing. Like you're a great host, man. As well, try to I say so. Uh, not blowing smoke. I just just wanted to point that out, but. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me on. Anybody wants to follow me, I'm at Torres Takes. Um, you know, uh, I'm just right now just putting out nonsense and uh, you know some videos once in a while. So um, you know, uh, please go uh, check out, like it if like, comment, share, whatever if if you enjoy it. Uh, you, you should you should follow him, people. Very simple, as you can tell by just listening to the show. Funny guy, very smart guy. His Twitter is just like that as well. A lot of great content to help you with your fantasy leagues and also to take some uh, you know, brevity off the situation. Laugh a little. Enjoy life. And that's what it's all about. Have some fun with the game of fantasy baseball. So I appreciate you joining me. I'm looking forward to doing it again sometime. It was an absolute blast Definitely. and uh, talking baseball with you tonight, Torres. Thanks a lot. All right. All right, Thank everybody. You. This was Benched with Bubba, episode 486, first half American League surprises. Catch you all later. Yeah.